Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Fitter and Faster Coaches Corner. As always, I'm your host, Mike Murray. This week's special pre-Christmas edition, we have my friend and college teammate, the head coach of Mercury Swimming, based out of Livonia and Dansville, New York, Chris Everett. Chris, thanks for joining us on the Fitter and Faster Coaches Corner. Thanks for having me here, Mike. Now, I'm excited, man. We've been talking about doing this for a long time. It was good to spend a little time with you down in Greensboro at Juniors. You had an athlete who swam exceptionally well. It was fun to watch her race. What are you most excited about, Chris, as you get into the second half of the short course season here for Mercury? Uh, just the work we get to do over break. We got a little bit of a meet break so we can train a little more over the holidays and really get into that grind and really put some work in to get ready for champs. Kids are excited. That's awesome, man. And, you know, you've got a couple different pools that you all swim out of. And the school districts, Chris, that you utilize for your pools are relatively small school districts. And that being said, you've had a tremendous amount of success over the last four to six years with Mercury, getting athletes to not only excel at the Niagara LSC level, but at the Eastern Zone level, at Junior Nationals, and now at Olympic Trials. You've had athletes go to some major Division I programs. What is something that you have to keep inside of your programmatic philosophy to develop high-level swimming where you're basically in country school districts? The school districts that make up your team are extraordinarily small. So what's a key aspect of your program that you think lends itself to the success of your athletes? Well, probably versatility. There's a lot, a lot going on in a lot of different places throughout these small schools. We're talking schools of less than 1500 K through 12. So you're talking anywhere from three to maybe if they're lucky, 500 kids in the high school program, which is tends to be in our area where we get most of our kids from 13 to 15 is about when they start um, looking into club. And uh, it really has to do with versatility because every year the team seems to change, if not every year, every couple of years. So to be able to change from more of a mentality of works work, like you're familiar with, um, to more of a sprint-based program, to just being able to change basically at the drop of a dime. And uh, we're working a lot more with sprint work right now. I think that's what a lot of people ended up having to do with the COVID and everything like that. But Right now it's working and we have a lot of success with our sprinters. So we're staying with that. And uh, we'll be building again up coming this championship meet. We'll see what happens with it. And then we'll probably change again next season. So your, your programmatic success is really <clears throat> different because you're working with athletes who are really first coming into the sport, I would say seventh, eighth grade on up. You mentioned the 13 and over. So most clubs in USA Swimming utilize that model of the lesson program. You build the athletes through the lesson program, and then eventually as they start to progress, then you have different competitive levels in the club. You're actually starting basically introductory swimming with a lot of your athletes. Is that fair to say? For the most of them, yeah. There's a lot of kids that walk through the door that are maybe just coming out of first or second year of modified at the school level, and it's, it is. It's a it's a glorified learn to swim program for some kids, but um, we based a lot of our work on technique. We do a lot of technique every day, straight through from start to finish. Um, the elite group to the prep groups, we 
They really focus on attention to detail in the strokes. And I think that that helps them move through when they travel off to their varsity seasons, depending on the fall or the winter. And, and being in a, uh, a smaller team environment, your athletes who are training and swimming with you are largely looking to create success at the high school level. So you have a lot of people moving in and out of your training group throughout the course of the season, and you're still able to create some really great results. What's something important about that balance and that dynamic that you pay attention to that you think helps those athletes be successful both during the high school season and during the club season? A lot of it's communication. I mean, those athletes that are looking to do both sides of the sport are, are really in close contact with myself and their coaches, their high school coaches as well, really have kept in touch. And as long as that communication is open, they seem to, to do pretty well. I mean, we have to, for the basis of our program is, is a lot of varsity kids. We have to run, I guess what I look at is almost short-term programs. About 16 week sessions is about what we look at because we'll lose about half of our population due to either the girls season in the fall or the boys season in the winter. So they go from that 16 week season to the next one. And it seems to work pretty well for the swimmers we have. It's been phenomenal to watch Chris, the success of some of your athletes. And one of the things that I paid attention to was with the high school season for the boys being in the winter from just about after Thanksgiving, all the way through the New York state championships, which is our March, you've had athletes swim at their high school sectional meet in the middle of February, go really fast, swim faster at high school States, and then parlay that success right into success at the USA swimming level, whether it's sectionals, whether it's NCSAs or whatever meet you've been able to go to, your athletes continue to get faster. That's a really hard thing to do. What are some of the things that you talk to your athletes about during that uh, process? A lot of that's really just the consistency beforehand, staying in the pool from the beginning to the end, be it a varsity program or our club, and stay in touch and keep calm. A bad race doesn't mean a bad meet. And they've, they've adjusted pretty well to that, and they've uh, – they can take to it and, and move through those meets as they, uh, as they go through. No doubt about it, Chris. And, you know, you've had some athletes uh, who have been fast enough, even in a small market to qualify relays at the junior national level. When we think of a small market club, many of us are thinking of clubs with a hundred members or less. Where is Mercury right now? Right now we're sitting pretty high with a total of 60 kids. <laughs> That's good. That's yeah, good. Decent for us, but yeah, that small market is tough. And I give the parents and the credit or the parents and the kids, most of the credit just because uh, they have to travel. I mean, we've got kids traveling close to an hour away, one way to come to practice and they do it almost religiously. So that's where a lot of that comes in. And there's a, a lot of kids out there that really enjoy the sport. And I think a lot of these small, small schools really can't offer as much to formulate a club there. So they're willing to travel and they're willing to put the time and effort in and it pays off. Like you said, that relay that we took to nationals two years ago, that, that was a good group of guys. They did well. And they were all from schools pretty much the size of Victor's high school, put it that way, <laughs> maybe even smaller. Right. 
So in terms of reaching out to these different communities, and one of the things that I always appreciated about Mercury was you're always going to have a lot of athletes from different school districts, just as a result of where you're located. So how do you, what's your outreach to these different communities to help bring people into the sport of competitive swimming? The modified and varsity teams in the area really have been a good connection. Like the coaches through these seasons have really worked well with us to, to kind of advertise for us, push us along. I've got a pretty good reputation with a lot of the coaches that we coach with. I coach the Dansville High School team. Um, so I'm always around on the pool deck during the varsity seasons. So we've gotten to know each other pretty well and, and they've, they've taken care of it. They want their kids to succeed and they know that if they send them up to Mercury, they, they usually see good results. So Chris, let's imagine for a second that a coach in somewhere in the Western part of the state of Iowa, he wants to start a swim club or she wants to start a swim club and uh, they're in a small community like yours. What are some of the top three or four things that this person should think about when building up their club? Um, patience. I mean, you're going to have to have some patience to get through everything. Um, start at that elementary level and really start working your summer swim programs, your learn to swim programs. We do offer one. Um, and just work with the high schools that are around if they're willing to work work with you. That's the, the biggest thing I've had. It's, it's taken a village to build this. We've had help from, like I said, all these small schools, from all the assistant coaches that have been from multiple different school districts. It's all, it's all been a big part of it. There's no doubt about that, Chris. And when I think about, you know, how you've taken uh, your athletes to the next level, I think about how you have so many connections in that high school swimming world. Now, you, you mentioned you're the head coach of the Dansville varsity programs. Do you think the advice for that small coach in that small rural town somewhere in America when they're building a club, is it necessary to be the head coach of the, the local high school team or one of the local high school teams? I'm not sure if it's necessary, but it is, I would say, at least necessary to have your presence known throughout the high school, be it at the meets or offer up some sort of a training program, like we'll do a summer uh, prep, I guess, session for a lot of the high school kids where it's offered up to any district in the area. Kids that want to come in and get ready, we'll do it for the girls' season pretty much. We'll do a summer swim program where they'll come in for six weeks and we'll do a training program at one of the local high schools that we train at. And we have kids from schools all across our, our league, our Livingston County Athletic Association. They, they come in from all over just to get a head start on the program and usually works out pretty well for them. One of the things that you've done really nicely too in your time that you've been at Mercury is you have these great short course seasons and even in a really rural landscape, you've been able to get many of your athletes to compete in the long course season during the summertime. How are you communicating that to a lot of parents and families who don't have uh, a ton of club experience or who may not understand the world of USA swimming as well as you do? You're really having to educate at a grassroots level. So how do you do such a good job of getting those kids who have great short course seasons into the long course season? The great short course seasons usually helps. It is a little bit of an eye opener when they get into that 50 meter pool, but uh, that 
that good short course season really gets him excited about swimming and once it moves him along to uh, really look at the next level, that long course season. And unknowingly, they want to try it just because it's more swimming. And they usually buy into it after a little while. A little nervous at, nervous at first, but they do pretty well once the, the season rolls along. And are you talking about long course goals over the whole spectrum of the year? Or do you just kind of focus on short course? Here's our short course season. And then we'll talk about long course when we get there. Intermittently, it's through there. I mean, I want them to be aware of it. I want them to know what it is. And I want them to know that that's the next step. But nothing's ever pushed. Nothing's always like, all right, we're done here. When we're done here, we're on long course, long course, long course. But it is fun to watch. We do love watching those long course meets. Chris, talk about how it's been uh, a struggle at times to get some pool time. And I know you've had to get creative, especially during the time of the pandemic. But you train out of uh, one of the pools you train out of is five lanes. Is that has that been an advantage to you? Do you look at it as a disadvantage? How do you get your parents and family sold on you can get the job done in a small market like that? Just by selling them on the sport, the pool location really doesn't matter to them unless it's a driving distance. And so far, knock on wood, everyone's been great about it. They will travel to see watch the kids succeed. And it puts a little pressure on my back, I guess, but they do pretty well. Um, pool size. We've been kind of lucky. Yeah, some of our pools are small and some are a little older, but we have a lot of them. Like we rarely run out of pool time. We always have space somewhere. We have the option right now of five different pools. If something goes wrong somewhere, if something comes up at one pool, we usually have a backup. So there's always a place to, to train somewhere with Mercury. And I think that's what a lot of parents like. Um, COVID obviously was a little different. Um, shut some things down, but Again, like you did, we got creative and the Finger Lakes are what they are. So we jumped in and swam. So lucky we had that. Exactly. And that worked out pretty well. Everyone got a new experience. Some really enjoyed it. Some realized they didn't like lake water, but they still did it. Chris, uh, as the head coach of a, of a relatively smaller team, um, you also have a board of directors. How has the board of directors helped guide you these last few years I know that you've had a very good relationship with your board. I know that they've been extremely supportive of you. What, what things are you doing to help that relationship between the head coach and the board? You know, sometimes in a smaller team, you have a lot more interaction with a board of directors than you do in a large team, just a, as a, a consequence of being around more, right? Their board members, kids are usually at practice. Maybe they're at practice more. Um, Talk to me about how you've created that dynamic working relationship with your board. It just kind of fit. Um, being local for so long, when I started over, uh, started off with Mercury, I knew half of them. So it was already established and they've just been great. It's been uh, being new to the board and stuff like that. They've, they've gone along and learned. We've learned together and it's been a, as long as everything stayed open communication, there's really never been too much of an issue and we all work together. They gave me free reign of the pool pool and uh, just helped out as needed and we get things done. And that's, that's where that village comes in. It's, it's tough on a small market to, to do everything. So, and I know you, you run a swim lesson program too, and it's probably one of the only swim lesson outlets in that rural area. Uh, it's essentially for those of you that are listening, it's, 
this almost the southern tier of western New York, south of Rochester, uh, about 40 miles south of Rochester. Um, you are one of the bastions for teaching people in that area learn to swim. So are, are you working to try to get that learn to swim program to start populating the lower levels of your team? Oh, yeah. Yep. And before COVID, it has. I mean, we were bringing in kids as they worked through the program. Um, then with COVID coming through, we had to cancel the first or the last three programs we've had. And uh, just starting back up this spring, we should be ready to go with the lesson program again. But it has helped um, and has brought kids. It's brought more attention to the sport, which is nice. Um, but yeah, no, it's definitely helped start our age group program fairly well. And uh, we'll see what this spring brings. But there's a few other programs around here, but we do we do tend to draw a crowd when we do a learn to swim program. Absolutely. One of the things that's been neat to watch, Chris, is, uh, you know, uh, over the past couple of years, you, you coached an athlete named Aiden Criley, uh, game changer in this area for breaststroke, 53 plus 100 breaststroke or coming out of high school, uh, went to swim at Louisville for Arthur Albiero, Olympic trial qualifier, grew up in Dansville. He is not a transplant. He grew up there. He went to the school district there. What did it mean to the community there to have somebody achieve at a really high level like that? Because it's relatively rare there. Oh yeah, no, it's definitely rare. And they, they loved every minute of it. I mean, it brought everybody together and everyone wanted to know who, what, where, when, what he was doing. And uh, he definitely uh, changed his community for the better just with his swimming alone. And it's brought a lot of people into the sport as well. I got to give him a, fair amount of credit for a lot of the swimmers that I have right now. He's, uh, well, it's, it's gotta be just so exciting for you in the program. You know, anytime you're sending an athlete to a school like Louisville, where they've had tremendous success and Arthur Albiero has been on our national team staff for so many years mm -hmm. to bring that level of swimming to the community is, is really something that not only the club community at Mercury celebrates, but I'm sure the Dansville central school was, was very excited about. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they definitely were excited and made sure everything was taken care of for signing. And they just enjoy watching athletes step up and go to that next level, be at any college. But definitely when there's a D1 program like that, taking one of their students, they, they enjoy it for a little while longer. Well, it's, it's certainly starting to trickle down because at uh, this past Junior Nationals, you had Jolie Cry score in the 100 breaststroke. Uh, she's had a tremendous uh, last two seasons. Uh, training with you and just at the tip of her talent. So what's the secret to the breaststroke that's happening at Mercury? What are you guys doing uh, <laughs> from a training standpoint so that you can share with the world so that we can start getting some fast breaststrokers? She's off to Cincinnati. Is that right? Yep. Yep. She's heading there next year and she'll be doing the breaststroke for them as well. Um, it all falls back to technique. I mean, I think breaststroke is one of the most technical strokes out there and we hit technique every day like there's technique work almost every day and I think when they're looking at that breaststroke the breaststroker mindset is is technique they have to they have to be on point from start to finish otherwise it's just not going to be as fast as they want it to be so just drilling home technique day in and day out it it registers eventually Oh, there's no doubt. And, and you can see when you watch your athletes, they, they have fantastic technique. 
Um, one of the things, Chris, that, that I've appreciated too is that they seem to have uh, their sprinting down, but they're not afraid to try those 200. So you say you're largely based in a sprint program. I know you yourself philosophically can, would like to see some athletes step up, but you know, you've seen some good success in those, those 200s of stroke too. So in a predominantly high school based mindset with many of your parents, uh, how do you get the kids to, to try that new thing and to step up when maybe their whole worldview of swimming was those hundreds? Yep. And that also, that's part of the training. I mean, when you could sit there and throw 12, 200s at a 12 year old and they do them 1200 in a meet, it's just we're 200 in a meet. It's just one 200. So the mindset in training kind of depicts the mindset at the meet. And we're hoping more of those kids are going to come along. And we have quite a few. We've got some age group kids that we're pretty proud of, and they're they're willing to jump in. And and that's that's where you get the mindset to be a, a club swimmer, and you get those 200s at some of the younger ages. And then when they get to high school, piece of cake, 50s and 100s. No doubt about it. And now for the part of the program that I'm sure you, you didn't know that I prepared for, but I did. Uh, I figured something. You, you yourself came from a small community swimming program. Your, your club background is very similar to what you offer at Merck, although, no offense, Merck is doing it at a much higher level than the club that you came from. Uh, but Talk to us about what it was like to be an age grouper uh, on the Canajahari crocodiles back in the day. And uh, then I'll chime in with a couple stories about how talented that group was that you came up with. Well, you know about it. We, we spent some time together, but um, it was, it was what I'm trying to preach here. We walked into club swimming young and then swim high school not swim high school, liked it, and then went to club. Right. So it was a good group of guys, and that's also part of it, too, is that the training, the training groups are important. If you have a good group that wants to train, you're going to be successful. And uh, we did. We had a handful of guys that wanted to get in and race every day, and we pushed each other. And that's what it was. I graduated with 60 kids, 68 kids in my high school. So we're another very small school, but we got, we we're fortunate enough to have a good club coach that pushed us through the program and we were able to be successful. Well, I'm going to tell you the, the first time I ever was in Canajahari was to swim against you guys. And, uh, I remember the bus pulling in and your pool was packed. You couldn't, you couldn't fit another person there. And I'm sure you guys were all fired up to beat the prep school kids and whatever else, but you had an, an incredible, uh, a quartet you had you Corey monk phil horander who was the other guy adam baird adam baird yes yeah, i forgot i forgot adam because he beat me um <laughs> you gotta forget those things every once yeah. in a while but um all very talented i i think you know in high school you guys were 128 maybe in a 200 free relay and your medley relay was really fast back then mm -hmm. For your your graduating class at Canjo was what? High sixties, sixties, and you had all four guys qualify for states in both relays. Mm -hmm. 
you that that group was so successful and what's so interesting is here you are at mercury same kind of rural scenario and you're taking athletes to olympic trials pretty remarkable would you say that your experience with those three other guys uh and I, i'm sorry that i forget your high school coach's name but he was a damn good coach uh ken sullivan ken sullivan would, would your experience with ken and those guys contribute to the success you're having at mercury oh definitely no it's every year i swim is built what mercury is right now i mean it's grown up in that small town and that's what's helped develop it here in a small town it's just it's just how it works and it's worked back then and it's working now. I mean, just being able to connect with a lot of these small towns, small town school districts and small town people that are here. I've really basically gained the trust of them to allow me to do what I need to do with their kids to make them swim fast. And they put their trust in me. Well, it's super fun to watch it unfold. And, um, you know, you, you take your great high school swimming experience and you go to St. Lawrence uh, and, and you swim for our mentor, uh, Bob Clemmer, and you have a great experience there. You, you take that and you, you go into the graduate assistant position where unfortunately you had to coach me for a year. Uh, but talk to me about what you learned from Bob, what that experience was like, why it's important to take graduate assistant opportunities uh, and, and help young coaches out there understand what it means to create a career in coaching because after you got your master's degree, you actually jumped into a totally different career path until you came back to coaching. So just talk a little bit about your experience and, and what you learned from Bob and then how you, how you changed this life into a career dedicated to coaching. Yeah. Um, my last two years, my junior and senior year there, I was up coaching for Bob. I was in the midst of his transition uh, between the two coaches um, I had Bob Northrup for my first two years and then Bob Clemmer for my second. And uh, they both taught me a lot. And um, working with Bob Clemmer really made you learn everything. Made you learn everything, whether you liked it or not. And you have to as a coach. You have to at least know of, maybe not be the best at, but be able to do everything associated with swimming. And he knew that. And he made us both do it. And that's a huge thing now, especially in a small club, is being able to take on the task of everything, if needed, whatever everything is that day. And uh, coaching there really put us through some long days. Again, part of it, the coffee pot was always going in his office. You know that. But um, it was the joy to win. I mean, the, the work we put in to try to win, that was the fun part. Winning was always fun, but the work to make the work to get to that point fun is something that if you can learn should be learned because it's, it's good to watch those kids work and enjoy working. We just had, no, I, I'm so glad you said that because that's where the work works thing came from. Um, you know, I, I remember you when my senior year, I remember you, you know, making sure that you beat coach to the pool so that you had the power tower set up. You had the pool set up. All the lights were on. All the clocks were synchronized. I mean, and and there was a certain way that he wanted us to do it. And to me, that's what makes right now, like getting up at 445. It's, I've been doing it since I worked for him. So it's just. Yep. 
you start, you create, he created an awareness about what it means to run a program. Yep. Um, yeah. Talk a little bit more about that. Cause I know you have a lot to say. Oh yeah. No, he, he trained us well, like it was, this is how it had to be. And this is what we needed to do to, to make things work. And yeah, it was, it was what it was, but getting up at four 30, be at practice at five, get everything set up. It was, it was a grind, but again, that's part of the work that we enjoyed doing too. It was always the, the work beforehand, but it was fun to watch you guys train and, and put the work in while we were on deck watching. Well, that was a fun, that was a fun two years and, and some very successful years that we had there. And, um, you know, I, I think, I think back to that time and you're right. We, we, we were enjoying the journey of trying to get to that next level. Um, and, and that's a great message for young coaches and for young athletes and parents who listen to this podcast is that you're not going to always have the best meet. You're not going to always have the best year, but it sure is a heck of a lot of fun trying to be the best that you can be, you know, and you're going to fall short so many more times and be successful, especially as a coach, mm -hmm. especially as a young coach. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm glad you shared that. And then Chris, you know, you graduate from St. Lawrence, you know, you have this tremendous degree, you have a master's degree in education. Um, and then you go into kind of the construction business, your own business that you still have a little bit. And then you get back to coaching. What did you maybe forget that you loved so much about the sport while you were gone? If you did forget that you loved it, or do you feel very lucky that you're back and, and doing something that you're, you're so passionate about? Oh, definitely. No, I'm lucky to be back. Uh, I never lost anything. It was always there. Always wanted to do it. Wanted to get back into it. Um, but like you were saying, I was part of helping to run a construction business and it took a lot of time too. Not that I couldn't handle it, but it was a lot of work. Same thing. Five in the morning till nine, 10 o'clock at night, and then up again the next day to do it again. So it took a lot of time. Um, and then things changed and somebody wrote me back into the pool and, uh, <laughs> basically the rest is history. It, it, it worked out to where I could back away from the construction and really work towards the swimming. And I still, I still run two small businesses right now along with the club program. So I'm still plenty busy, but, uh, I do get to devote, devote a lot of time to the, to the pool, which is nice. Wow. It's, uh, well, the sport is lucky to have you back. And especially in this area where, you know, we need coaches right now. Uh, we, we need yeah. people to be there for young people. Um, and, you know, even today, just looking at some of these headlines with what's happening in schools, the outlet for our, our kids up here is, is coming to swim practice. And, uh, you know, I, I know that that's super important for, for you down there as well. Um, Chris, what are some things that you're really looking forward to with how the sport is evolving and progressing? There's a lot of things that are affecting USA Swimming. Obviously, the, the changes in how we're running the, the, uh, the, the national governing body, changes to the sport. You know, we have the ISL now, which to me is so cool. Um, what are you excited about for our sport moving forward? Uh, the progress. Like, I think the hopes for that ISL that I think I see in a lot of kids right now 
like, I think they see it at used to just like you saw it's all right, college and done. If you don't make the national team, I mean, and now there's, there's that next step. And I think a lot of kids are looking at it as there's that professional, I'm going to be a professional. And I think a lot of little kids right now are looking at it and I think it's going to develop into some better talent. And those kids are going to use that hopefully if that's their motivation and uh, they'll be on the Olympic team next year or the years to come. Uh, no doubt about it. You, you know, the thing that's exciting for me is we just went through this pandemic and everybody went so fast. Everybody still went so fast. They missed some time that, you know, the, there was a period where I, nobody swam for two months, really. Yeah. And uh, everybody still swam super fast. And it just goes to show you that, you know, there, there's going to be weeks or months when, when you might not be able to train for whatever injury, sickness, uh, you know, family issues, whatever it is, you can bounce back. You know, that's the thing that I learned. You know, when we grew up in the sport, it was very much, if you miss a day, it's like missing two days, you know? And, and now what, what I feel like we're learning is, you know, there's a lot to be said for giving the kids off an afternoon. There's a lot to be said in the middle of your toughest training period to say, hey, you guys are going to take Friday night and Saturday off. We're going to just come back on Monday. And, and, and I think that's where we are, we are growing as coaches. And I think when you and I started swimming, it was like you said, swim through college and then you're either a coach or you're, you're out of the sport unless you do masters. And now, you know, you could go, you could work for fitter and faster. You could work for swim outlet. You could be a representative as a brand for tier. You could do all these different jobs that didn't exist. And to me, that's, what's really exciting in the sport. Chris, what's something that you're doing to um, mentor your coaches and, and perhaps maybe get some of your coaches to be more interested in, a career in swimming? Um, right now I'm with two assistants that are uh, full-time already with their jobs. We are moving and progressing with, uh, with their education, be it different courses we do through USA Swimming and stuff like that. Um, but we do have some younger coaches, hopefully coming here in the future. And uh, it's going to be that, idea of there's options if you're not a coach or if you are a coach and you're in a small area where it can't be a full-time coach you can still work the swimming angle like you were talking about it being a part of a brand associated with swimming working for fitter faster i mean the remote option has really opened up a lot of options for people um to supplement their income and still coach which is hopefully something that we're going to hear progress here in the future yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, when I look to uh, 2024 uh, and, and how we prepare the athletes to get ready for this, this next Olympiad, there are a lot of kids that you and I saw this past weekend that are going to be making, uh, taking a shot at that team. I, I'm going to venture to say that that was one of the deepest short course junior meets I've seen in a very long time, especially on the men's side. Would you agree with that? Oh yeah. No, it was a lot of, a lot of good swimming there. The finals seemed to be a lot faster. I haven't gone back and looked at years in the past, but the final heat of a lot of the events there for the men's side, definitely 
are a lot quicker. So we should, I'm sure we'll see some of them on that next team. You know, and, and you, you take a look at the relay splits, um, especially when you look at, you know, Sarasota, Carmel, Mason, Swim Mac. If you don't have a 42 on the end of your 400 medley, we're talking 18 year olds. Mm-hmm. You're not getting inside that top five. And what I, what I've noticed, Chris, and what we're trying to really put an emphasis on in the back half of the season is the underwater kicking. Now you were a butterflyer back in the day and you had a pretty solid underwater kick. Is there anything that you do with your team specifically that that's working on the underwater kick? Is there a special set that you do? How do you focus on your underwaters? We put attention to them. I mean, that's part of the technique we work. We do a lot of walls. We'll do a lot of underwater dolphin kicking um, and really just break down the race. A lot of our kids are short distance, 200 and under. Um, we don't have a ton of the four IMs or the distance swimmers with us. Um, so we break it down into those components of starts, turns, breakouts, and then the swim itself and really kind of have them focus when we work on certain technique that day and we've hit the walls and we really try to push. I've been fortunate to have a lot of good kids that really understand the, the, uh, all the benefit of their underwaters. And it really, once they understand that it will save you in the end, they really look forward to it. And they really do put, put some effort into training their underwaters. Yeah. You, you mentioned your kids and your underwaters that uh, Ben Ludlow had some of the best underwater. <laughs> quick shout out to Ben. Yeah. I think yeah. he must've had a great tenant under coach a long time ago. I'm sure he did. He definitely did. Uh, Hey, Chris, uh, as, as I'm talking to you here, I'm looking out into my backyard and I got some major limbs down. I'm going to need you to come up here with the chainsaw. <laughs> <laughs> Part of those many hats. You uh, got to be able to do it all. That's right. Hey, Chris, thanks so much for joining us on the Coach's Corner. I know that uh, you're super busy. You're probably coming up on practice here pretty soon. Mm. Um, but, hey, have a, have a great rest of the season. Looking forward to seeing your athletes continue to perform and swim fast. How can these young coaches get in touch with you if they have questions for you? Uh, you're more than welcome to email or uh, even give me a call or text. I'm pretty much open with my phone number, but the email is mercuryswimming at gmail.com. And the phone number is 585-519-1269. That's awesome, Chris. Really appreciate your time today, man. Thank you so much. All right. No problem at all. Thanks for having me, Mike. Anytime.